The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before give? a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in this episode, we're continuing the conversation with Lauren McKechnie on rethinking enterprise SEO content strategy. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash a w t all right here's my conversation with lauren mckinney head of seo at palo alto networks lauren welcome back thanks tyson great to be here yeah i feel like yesterday we introduced a lot of topics and then we kind of teased everyone with uh leaving them on a little bit of a cliffhanger as we kind of continue it so Today, I want to just jump right back in where we left off and we had talked about more of the theoretical approach to content and also leaning into some of the advantages or opportunities that can exist at the enterprise level. But also, you always have with those opportunities or those advantages, there can always be like challenges that may come along with that too. How do you think about overcoming barriers in enterprise content production? Yeah, great question. I mean, there can be so many different barriers. I think the the key element is you kind of have to first define the problem. And for big companies, you're competing with other big companies. And usually what that means is large websites. Websites that have been around a long time, 10 years plus, whatever it might be. 
And you know, that's, that's the double-edged sword sometimes on the content side to make sure it's good stuff, not just a bunch of stuff. But yeah, I think we just have to get everybody in the frame of mind of the customer and oftentimes the SEOs who have that data of what the customer's searching for and asking for. It might even be non-customers. It's just people at the very beginning of this journey of, of your area of expertise. Thinking it through their journey of what they might search for throughout that process, where you can influence them and, and help them and educate them along that journey. And then sort of breaking down the keywords and the concepts and those sort of content areas and developing a plan against that. There's also a stylistic element that really comes into play because you might have different areas of your site. You might have support content. You know, Maybe that's more for after-sale stuff. But you might have people that are like, oh, does this work in my environment? Does this, does this play well with, with the other things that I have? It's an integration question. And sometimes those people will be going to find those answers. And the teams don't even think that those are part of the sales process. That's just, that's after sale. That's hidden somewhere in some CMS that does all of our user-generated content, some form, this, that, whatever, right? And so we have to like, the SEOs have to own all the areas of the site from the customer perspective and then map those big problems out that customers might have, map what they're searching for, and then really try like hell to try to get that content built that meets those customer expectations. Because that's the purpose of your website is to kind of pre-sell everything, answer all those questions and get the customer where they need to be going. Not where you want the customer to go, which is usually how it's done. Absolutely. And I think like that's actually like one of the things that I enjoy about working in SEO versus some more traditional marketing is the like, I don't necessarily need to convince anyone that they need something. I'm not trying to create like an artificial demand behind it. It's like the demand, like people's questions, people's problems are exist. And it's more of up to us to meet them where they're at on their own journey and then providing those solutions to it. And your examples with content elements that could potentially be seen as like post sales or like more clarifying pieces. Those are all things that can also be solving the problems that would have essentially drive them into your website or drive them into having an interest in your product. SEO, and we touched on it in the last episode, but in your words, SEO is a team sport. And so as an SEO, we can't be successful on our own. And so with that, it's like we need to have the buy-in from the organization. We need to have alignment with them. What are some common challenges that you've seen across your experience that exist with SEO alignment and content production? Sure. Yeah, I think the biggest elephant in the room that I see is, you know, the theory is great and everybody buys into the sales process and they appreciate SEOs, you know, shining that light on the customer or bringing their interests into the organization with data, which is great. And I don't do anything without data, without testing. I have an opinion, we all have opinions, but the only opinion that really matters is our paying customers. Did they like what we created? So with that, we have to outline different areas of content that we want to create. We have to motivate people to create it. And then we have to make sure that the analysis of all that confirms that it's working. And the challenge, the biggest challenge that I see is that oftentimes organizations will focus on last touch attribution. And most SEO, at least from like the high traffic portion, people are searching for like, I want to, as I 
in our last podcast, we talked about like, how do I know I have a symptom? What is a symptom indicative of what kind of a problem? What kind of solutions exist for that problem? Why is your solution good and or better? And you may not be, they may need to go to a third party website to, to answer that question just to validate and then come back to you with a different keyword, a branded keyword and with your product name perhaps, right? And then they buy. And so the data stream shows us certainly last touch that uh, they came through at CRO, they went to your product page or they came with a keyword of your product, right? And they, they just bought, well, that's great. SEO, the wonderful. Well, how did that happen? And if you look, you know, the truth lies somewhere between a last touch attribution model, a multi-touch model, which kind of distributes those clicks, those engagements, those experiences across different channels, right? The email nurture, the social, the, you know, all of that. And a first touch model, which is like the person that got you into the store, their website, that, that started that inner engagement. And so the truth is somewhere in between if you graft first touch and graft last touch, and then you kind of looked at, at some of the, the fuzzy math in the middle of, of multi-touch, the truth is somewhere in between there. And you can't just go by last touch and you can't just go by first touch, but you need both. And so that's where it kind of comes back around to the funnel, or I like to invert it, the mountain, that you're climbing with this customer. You need to make sure that all those stairs, each one is you know, within reach of the next one, that you have content to fill all of those areas and that the customer can climb that mountain with you, both physically through and metaphysically. That's a great point. And in your experience, because I know that this is an area that some SEOs I've heard kind of frustrations or challenges of having a conversation with them and saying like, yeah, I'm really struggling because my organization is using this type of attribution. So showing this values becoming challenging through your experience. Have you had experience where there, you know, there's companies that are more open to potentially using like blended attribution models or having different models to paint like a more complete picture? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think that's really... You know, as I mentioned, SEO is a team sport. We're one specialist player in that game. But the business, the business model, the market, the competition, I think that's really what defines the goals and the philosophy of the company. What are their steps to growth? What is their growth plan? Where are they trying to head? Is it an acquisition? Is it an exit? Whatever it might be. Is it just growing shareholder value? I mean, I think one of the key elements there is it's what I call is what is the currency of our company? Is it actual margin revenue dollars? Is it traffic? Are we selling ads, right? Like all the business model elements come together there. And so you have to know as an SEO to be credible in your organization, to be able to rally all these troops and get the team playing together. You have to speak in the currency of the company. So maybe that's customers or new subscriptions or revenue or margin or whatever it happens to be. And so the model of attribution usually falls out of that matrix of what the growth plan is. It's, it's how they want to measure. It's, you know, it's the internal currency, if you will. And so in some businesses, that's traffic. And that is something that a lot of SEO teams, I've worked for companies where you know, my SEO goals are around traffic or around revenue even. So totally kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. But when we, I just talked about like how you should aim to have SEO content at each stage 
of this journey with your customer so that you're guiding them through, that you're building that trust with them. And so when they contact sales or when they got on the sales page and they're like, oh, five-star reviews, looks great. I totally think this is the right solution for me and they buy. So coming back around, if the traffic is your strategy, a lot of SEOs will just say, all right, I just want to focus. I, I, I only have X number of teams who will help me do this content. There's writing processes and there's review processes and there's all sorts of elements that we all, a process we have to go through. And the key element is to distill and interpret and translate what the internal currency is and then what are your goals. And then sometimes even go outside of that in that like you know that you need to grow traffic even though revenue is is how you're you're getting measured. And so we can't just only focus on the head terms that have the highest search volume because you know, if you're if you're a smaller business, those just might be unattainable. So that's a whole other dimension that I look at is what is possible? What are the niche keywords that we that our customers really care about because there's more intent there in terms of the customer's clear at what their ask is. If it's two or three or four or five words, or you know, now, now we know that more than half of the queries that the search engines see every, on a daily basis they've never seen before, and you know, that's a whole different animal. But so, yeah, we care about head keywords. Yeah, we care about that the big traffic. Uh, we also care about intent, and it's not one or the other. So, in that is a concept that I call sort of public service announcement traffic. It's like at Semantic malware or Norton, or, or, or even LifeLock. Do we care about the term malware? Yeah, we do. There's a lot of search volume for it, but is it our customer that's searching for that? Is it a consumer security company, a customer, pardon me, that's looking for a VPN? If you look at the search results for VPN, Palo Alto Networks makes a great VPN that we sell to other businesses. But everybody who searches the term VPN they, you know, sort of with that Pareto principle, they are looking for why is my favorite YouTube influencer sponsored by this VPN? And how come everybody I follow on YouTube has ads for VPNs? And so you see branded search for those things that they represent. But that search results page is all consumer type results. And so we have to sort of play to what is there and play to the intent of the searcher. And, uh, you know, that's a really interesting one where two different kind of the consumer business model or the enterprise business model almost kind of clash in that particular keyword. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. 
Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And it's such, it's such a great point too, because there are those common situations where you might have the executive that's just hyper-focused on one particular top of funnel keyword. But to your point is some of those top of funnel keywords, they could be good or they could also have like a different intent from it. And I think with also like a lot of these advances in AI, it can, if done properly, you can have really high quality, a high volume of high quality pages that really speaks to those, you know, more long tail, more specific type queries that could be even more meaningful users that are coming into your website. You mentioned about the keyword and That's the crazy thing is that what we do is not about a keyword. It's not about the 10 keywords. It's not about the 50 keywords, the 100 keywords, you know, whatever you're measured against. It's the totality of traffic. And I sort of liken it to, you, you talked about the CEO gets focused on one keyword. Well, if that CEO wants a house on the point overlooking the ocean, just go buy it. Like if there's a keyword you want, just go buy it. And see, see if, if you like living there, see if this traffic is good, see, all right. And then we can decide, okay, we're going to buy the lot. We're going to buy the lot next door. We're going to, you know, outdo that house that we thought we wanted. We're going to build it even better and then we'll own it, but you can rent it to just check it out to see if you really like it. And, you know, that's, I think a, a key element where paid search and SEO really need to work together. There's a lot of differences and a lot of people don't like to click on paid search. So it's, it's not perfect, but again, testing everything, why not test it out? The other thing is, when I look at some sites, there's 100,000 different keywords driving traffic. And so I doubt that we can pick the top 20 keywords that we really care about and that really drive the business because thanks to our friends at Google and them locking down our search queries, which um, you know, there's a valid reason for that if you want to dig into uh, why the keyword is not provided at the session level anymore. That's a fascinating story. But yeah, look, it has this to do with a three-letter agency. But yeah, look into that a bit and think about your traffic as a whole. Think about all the keywords that include a root word that you care about, not just the two iterations that you think are the right iterations of that keyword. 100%. And I think like coming back around to some previous points in the conversation, really like... These different keywords, they're just proxies for the intent that the user has going for it. And if you're strictly thinking about just, and a lot of times people are doing still this in like a manual fashion, but if you're simply just looking at what you're already ranking for or what you can think of that's related to your product, you're only seeing a small sliver of what actual kind of searches are that are coming in for that. And so you do have this breadth of information that can be attributed from search volume data. And it can be a huge asset and value add if 
collected properly and clustered and can share with other teams of what the consumer demand is and how people are looking for different things. But at the end of the day, you're still getting back to, hey, they have this intent, their queries are a representation of it, and the experiences or the content that we're creating needs to be solving that intent. I love also the tactic that you threw out on the rent before you buy. I think that's a great one that a lot of SEOs can take and run with because I've heard so many times that scenario of just like, I'm getting hammered by this one thing and it, it makes no sense why that is the only thing of interest. So I do think that's a great tactic. Do you have any other tactics for improving that cross-functional alignment in the creation process? Yeah, I think one other, you know, everything that I do is sort of centered in data. And so one of the other elements I think is really important is I have this saying that all aggregate data is crap. Because when you aggregate it, you lose the understanding of how it was collected, right, from the scientific method. How was it collected? Who was that audience? Where were they? What were they doing? What were they thinking? All of that, right? That's what we're trying to understand. And so we have to make sure that we break out our traffic into like different site sections, but not only different site sections, but like even higher than that, branded and non-branded, right? Because the SEO team, there is nothing that we can do aside from maybe working with the PR team and helping regular marketing campaigns and such. There's nothing that we can do to make more people search for our brand. That's somebody else's work. They're getting the message in front of people. They're submitting your products to review sites or you know sponsoring influencers or whatever it might be. They're creating that what I call brand keyword demand. And the SEO's job is kind of, you're kind of a little bit in one way, all on your own. You're saying, hey, I know where there are other people searching for things that are related to what we do. And I can quantify how many people are searching for those things. I can use SEO tools to say, I think there's a good match for our intent. I can see if it's video that's ranking. I can see if there's featured snippets and we should double down on that kind of content. I can see out there into the marketplace to get us those potential first introductions in front of people that might be thinking in the same mindset that we are. And in SEO, that's all you can do is get in front of people who are thinking in the same mindset. If you want to get in front of other people that aren't in that same mindset, well, then you just got to pay to play. Then that's where paid search comes in, right? You want to show up for your competitors, keyword terms, you know, brands and such, whatever. That's how you do that. So I would say... The challenge, most challenges are overcome with thinking about how the customer thinks and then thinking about where in your organization knows about that customer. For example, like your product team. There are people on your product team that probably were your customers at one point. They know your product. They know all the competitors' products and they know why. that's why they're on the product team. They're innovating your product to make it better because it had this problem. And then 10 years ago, you went against a competitor in this way. And that's how you took this road and they took that road and all of that that history. That's where the knowledge is of how to solve customer problems. And even keyword research won't tell us where that those gems are hidden. It's a great point. And really comes back to one of the points previous where we're working with a variety of people in the organization and you can use that as an asset to understand consumer even further and it's just another layer it's a it's more of the the qualitative attribute instead of the quantitative but it does have that 
absolute value in understanding the consumer. All right. I think that almost wraps up this episode. But Lauren, any other kind of components or advice that you would give when, you know, we're working on this overall like company alignment to our content strategy? Sure. I think AI may change a few things, but my saying has always been, you know, to quote James M. Wallace, speed, quality, price, pick any two. Excellent. It's such a such a real and accurate piece to use. Um, I mean, not just obviously for content, but for so many aspects that we do. And we'll see how AI plays into that that component. But let's wrap this up with a really quick lightning round. So I'm just going to throw out a series of questions at you and we'll just kind of rattle through them. So first one up. Is keyword stuffing a recommended SEO strategy? Wow. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that one for quite a while. I do know that we leveraged AI to create these questions, which is pretty awesome too, right? The garbage in, garbage out. But obviously, there's a lot of people somewhere that AI picked up that this should be a, the number one question for a lightning round. So keyword stuffing. Well, hmm, it's been years now where synonyms and other things will rank like a page that doesn't even have the keyword on it will rank for that keyword. So yeah, it's about relevance, right? When a customer scans that page, they want to know they're in the right place. Like the customer experience is, okay, I clicked on the search result or video result or knowledge graph, whatever it is. I got here from a link or, you know, maybe it's on a mommy blog, whatever. I, I followed this link and the machine learning of that website of Google, of Chrome, of, you know, whatever it is, of analytics is saying, hey, is this a good experience? And so you're matching the user's intent, their hopes and desires, and these criteria. And what do you do when you get to a website? You go, okay, is my answer on this website? Is there a table of contents? No. Okay, crap. I have to scroll. When was this written? Oh, man, this is old. Oh, man, this was shared two times. I'm not really sure. This is like, I have a hard question. I've already looked for this answer before. I don't think, right? So you have these like negative selection criteria that go through your mind. So yeah, it's important that the keywords on the page, that your H2s are phrased the way a customer might think. But the keyword density, right, which is what we're talking about from a keyword, quote unquote, stuffing perspective, I would, I would say, is it recommended? Eh, yeah, probably not. Is there a threshold where it'll get you, quote unquote, penalized? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if you meet all those other criteria and you have a high density, maybe it's a long page, right? So it's data versus experience. So I would say um, you can do better than keyword stuffing. <laughs> I, I would absolutely agree with that. But yeah, more interesting that it was included in the output <laughs> of uh, these lightning round questions. Okay, so here's a fun one too from this uh, AI output. Can AI completely replace human content creators in enterprise content production? Well, it, it certainly has the ability to create an echo chamber. Like when you look at at machine learning, at you know, at big data, you you often can kind of create these feedback loops that often can be misguided. So what we're talking about is, well, how things rank. And if you tell your AI and prompt it properly and tell it that you're creating uh, content for a website and we don't know today how important, how it's looking at all of the learning that it's done and how it's weighting search engine rankings. I mean, you can tell it, hey, I'm writing for an SEO purpose. And then we're assuming that it redirects to say, hey, let's like really weight the top five results really heavily in my response. Which brings us to a whole nother question of, 
how much of what you know, of what you've learned in the past 20 years since the invention of the computer, how much of what you know is correlated to the top five ranking results? I would say there's a very high correlation. 100%. All right, last one here. Is it important to conduct thorough keyword research before creating content for SEO purposes? Yeah, I think ask if you have an SEO or are going to hire an SEO, ask them about keyword research because it means something different to every SEO, I think. There's forecasting of traffic. There's the ability for your site to rank for the traffic that you forecasted that you want to get. There's all these phases of the journey that keywords could or should be mapped to. I mean, you could spend at a, at a really large website, you could spend like three months or more if they don't have any of this infrastructure creating and doing keyword research. So uh, to some people, it means like, well, where's the traffic? To some people, it means, well, how do we rank? For some people, it means, well, how do we rank with versus our competitors? How do we overlap? What do they rank for? What do we rank for? What do we both rank for? So... Yeah, I would say you definitely need to do your homework and uh, a lot of SEOs call that keyword research. Fair. And I think it it is a a fair disclaimer that keyword research is a lot more than just determining how many times to say the keyword that you're trying to rank and to stuff into the article going back to the first question of the lightning round. But with that, that wraps up this conversation on the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks again to Lauren McKechnie, head of SEO at Palo Alto Networks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And if you can't wait until the next episode and would like to learn more about Lauren, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. And we'll see you on the next episode. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com awt. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.